Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Ballot here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things we're going to look at today in these uh, grain markets and livestock as well. But we're going to talk a little bit about the Brazilian real. Are we going to take a pause when it comes to these grain markets? And we don't talk about rice. And we're going to talk about rice and what's happening right now in the Minneapolis wheat market. Not only that, we've got weather, South America, uh, crop pressure. And then on the livestock side, we know that there's been high feed prices affecting what we see in the trade. We're going to get all the details this afternoon. And they are... Coming to us from Sean Hackett. He is with Hackett Financial Advisors. And I think we need to start out with this Brazilian real. What are you hearing, Sean? Well, when you really look at the real, uh, Susan, it's been flat for the last year in kind of a, a, a trading range, kind of building this base. And this last week, we have started to surge off of a secondary low, and it looks to us like we're breaking kind of a wedge pattern that oftentimes completes a major low in the real. As you know, the real's been going down since 2012, and the real puts a lot of pressure on ag markets and has for a long time. But what we haven't traded, and I think the reason why I want to bring it up, is while rate markets have been going up mainly from supply and demand factors, we haven't had what I would call the inflation trade from an appreciating real, how that translates into higher U.S. prices based upon Brazil's prolific nature of exporting all these important ad products. So if we get this rail to break out and we rally 20 or 30 or 40% higher, which the chart today is possible, then that could be an add-on to the rallies we've already seen, having nothing to do with fundamentals, having to do with how currency and how that translates into U.S. price. And so we could actually trade an inflation trade here going forward if we're correct about the real. So we would really be paying attention to that right now because that could be a really surprise most factor that we have not been able to count on for almost 10 years now. So you look at that and what we're seeing, and obviously it's been priced in, their markets have been priced into what we're seeing in our trade rate at this point, right? I'm sorry, what's that? That we've already priced in everything that's been happening in South America, Brazil, et cetera, into our market trade. Well, we, I think so. I mean, when you th- really think about what's really been driving corn, and for that matter, to some extent, winter wheat, it's been this terrible, terrible drought that's been going on in the Brazilian second crop corn. Um, we went back and looked at the rainfall pattern from January 1 to, to the present, um, and went back to 1980, and we found that this was the driest year uh, that we could find since 1980 for the Safrina second corn crop for Brazil, which is their big crop, the crop they export. So it's about as bad as you can get. Um, but remember now, the market trades weather two, two weeks in advance. So pollination is going to kind of finish up here later on in, in May. So you know, you get to the end of next week, two weeks out, it's kind of like, well, maybe we've already traded, you know, in the old crop corn, that worst-case scenario. And, 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 what, and you can't really hurt the crop, you know, once pollination is done and it didn't work out. So we're feeling like the markets going to start moving away from that and focusing on what kind of crop potential do we have. And what all we see, Susan, is great, great planting weather coming up, good conditions, warming up, you know, and, and just and ability to really get some planting progress going. And I think that's going to bring a lot of people in and thinking, wow, this could be a record crop coming up. At least that's how we're starting off. Well, we'll talk about that here quick. Uh, we could see some big crop pressure 
coming in the U.S., especially as they watch what's happening in South America and know that we may have to be there to really perform for the world? Well, I think right now, like I said, we've placed a lot of foolishness in. When you have 650 old crop born and new crop in the fives, I mean, there's, there's a fair bit of bullish premium built into all that, Susan. And we think for now, you know, the market is content that as long as they see the crop production in the U.S. potentially being big, I mean, you know they're going to be dialing in more planted acres than the planting intentions report based upon good planting and, and the fact that prices have risen considerably since then. So when you look it all through, I think the market may be ready for a pause, for a, a correction, a setback, saying, hey, we, we've twice everything we, we can in South America, but so long as our crop is going to be a big one, we can kind of get our hands around the, the situation and, and not get any tighter than we've already been. I was going to ask you about that, this time for a pause. What does that mean for producers as they look at the markets and we see a, dri- a dip like we had in today's trade? Well, what a pause means is be very clear about what you need to sell, old crop, if you have if you have some left. Be very clear about where you really want to be on new crop. We have very good prices, Susan. Um, doesn't mean they can't go higher with a, a drought cycle in June, July, which we think could happen. At the same time, Rogue waves, things can happen in this world that we can't anticipate, like we've seen pretty repeatedly, trade war, ASF, uh, virus, all kinds of things. Be very clear not to let this gift horse that you've been given uh, and and, and let it slip away. Get something done here. Make sure you're clear about what you need to get done. These are good prices. You're supposed to reward a big rally like this. Um, And, you know, we've already seen some some fissures, some break downs a little bit in price here the last week that we haven't seen in a little while. So, you know, don't get caught being scared into selling the, the secondary low here in June when you want to be, you know, holding on to, to the grain that you have. All right. So. This, before we head to commercial break, we'll talk about uh, rice first. Uh, what's going on there? Some outperformances? Yeah, with rice, I mean, the, the, the situation with rice, we're already going to be losing a lot of acres. Um, and, you know, based upon the, the lack of economic comparative economics with soybeans and corn and such. But now the prices disparity has gotten even more egregious uh, and, since that report, and the rice crop is well way behind. Believe it or not, in this case, too much rainfall in that Arkansas deep south area that are getting too much rain, and the crop's way, way behind. And we feel it's going to offer the opportunity for switching even more of those acres. And so we think we could be down something like 20% plus down. Stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to talk about this wheat and rice coalition. More is coming up. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing the conversation with Sean Hackett. Sean is with Hackett Financial Advisors. So we left talking about rice, and you'd mentioned about this rice and wheat kind of tandem moving along, both grains that feed the world. Minneapolis wheat has definitely been interesting as of late. Yeah, what's interesting about Minneapolis wheat, there's really no replacement for it because it's that high-quality, high-protein wheat. Um, you know, you, you can substitute uh, uh, KC wheat and K-wheat all day long. And, but, you know, it's one of those unique markets. If you run out of that, you, you don't have an easy replacement for it or at least an abundant replacement for it. So what we're looking at is we're looking at – we went back and looked at rainfall since March 1st. For North Dakota, for the Canada, Canadian uh, spring wheat plains there. And, you know, this is, we tied for the worst dry weather or drought 
since March 1st, going back to 1980 in that area. And they were dialing in some rain, Susan, for a few weeks from now. And as typical with a drought, every time the rain is supposed to come, you know what happens? It just fizzle out and they don't deliver. It looks like it's happening again. You get to the of May without any more rainfall, and we're in a world of hurt, not only because of yield problems that will kick in, we're not going to, guys aren't going to plant all the acres. Susan. They're not, not going to plant in absolute arid soil. You won't have a crop. The crop won't come out. You might as well plant something else that can handle dry, dry ground like that. So, so this is a market whose micro-fundamentals could be here and now to really, really set off. Uh, and, you know, Minneapolis wheat a couple of years back at eight plus on drought conditions when the brain marts were bare. So, so this market likes to move independently when it really has a reason to do so. We may be entering an inflection point here in just the next couple of weeks. Let's jump over to what we're seeing on the livestock side, and we're going to talk a little bit about the cattle market and the high feed prices. But I wanted to ask, how is it affecting the dairy industry right now, knowing where we've seen these grain prices the last couple of weeks? Fortunately, you know, class three prices in the 19s, you know, and remember, this is the, this is the high end production part of the season, so they're producing the maximum amount of milk per cow and milk production total. Um, so it's it's okay, but not great. Um, you know, because of feed prices, they keep eating those feed prices, and most did not, you know, buy enough or hedge enough that they were supposed to. But I do worry that if we have an escalation this summer and we move feed prices another notch higher, that's going to begin to start putting the pinch on the dairy industry. Um, going forward because as production falls, typically seasonally into the fall, you know, they're now they're going to generate less income at times that they may be eating even higher feed prices. So it's okay for now, but it's, you know, it could become a real problem later on in the season if we're correct about a drought, about a serious drought cycle here in, uh, in the Midwest here in the June, July timeframe. We definitely know it's taking its toll on the feeder cattle market. Yeah, you know, you know, the feeder cattle market just can't endure that, you know, escalating and, and fear over higher feed prices and corn prices. And it's certainly been, you know, really, really, really hit. We would say, however, you know, for those in the livestock business, cattle business, that, you know, if we have this break in May that we're thinking corn could come down um, and, and correct you a little bit, you know, we could get a bounce, a corrective bounce in that market that could offer an opportunity for producers to, you know, get some cash sales on the books. So we'd be looking for some kind of a made balance to sell into. So we do think there could be a window of opportunity that develops if we're correct about this May break in corn. So what about for the hogs? Uh, what are your thoughts with them? And Did we have a top take place? The, the, hog, the hog thing has been a situation where, you know, Chinese imports have fallen off, but we've been desperately uh, trying to meet this escalating demand as we reopen the country and refilling empty uh, you know, frozen stocks that were depleted from last year. We think we're pretty close to filling those needs, and you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of really good prices to start turning on the production engine again. And so we worry, you know, that the hog market could be placing an important high here. And of course, feed prices are going to continue to escalate at some point. You know, animals are better to be you know sent to the uh, packing house than than kept on the farm. And so we we think when we're looking at the June chart, you know, we made that. Initial high around 110. We corrected all the way down to almost a dollar. We rebounded to 109 and change yesterday, and we're rolling over. It's, it looks to us like we could be setting up some kind of a major double top that you know could really kind of lay in a, a much more sinister decline from these 
quite frankly, prices have only been exceeded once before during the disease-infested you know, 2014 season. Well, everybody is definitely ready for warmer uh, temperatures. Especially- yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're going to we have a great planting season. So that's, you know, we don't think planting is an issue. It's going to get in the ground. We think there's enough moisture to make it look good, and, and everything's going to look really good. And so everyone's going to feel good about that. Unfortunately, the dry weather pattern that we've seen in a lot of areas, we think it's going to escalate and actually spread. Sounds good. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T advisors.com we have all kinds of information on there to see if what we do you know might be of value to your listeners all right that is the Fontenelle final bell just a reminder commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors the Fontenelle final bell brought to you by Fontenelle hybrids and all your local dealers on the rural radio network